0: Looking at our world from a theological perspective, this is the Theology Central Podcast, making Theology Central. Good afternoon, everyone. It is Tuesday, February the 14th, 2023. It is currently 427 p.m. Central Time, and I'm coming to you live from the Theology Central studio located right here in Abilene, Texas. I don't know if I should... I don't know if I shouldn't. I don't know if I should stay or if I should go, to quote a famous song. I, I, I don't know what I should do. I don't know. I don't know. Now, the problem is once you do a broadcast and you label it part one, you are bound by the Constitution to do part two. I mean, you have to or you have to kind of go in and you have to be. You have to be very sneaky, right? You have to be very sneaky and just kind of delete the part one from it, and hopefully no one ever notices, right? But I, I don't know. I, um, <laughs> someone says the comment sections are always enjoyable. Uh, yes. Um, they, they, the reason they're making that comment and, my, and the, uh, the chat is because they see the title of this episode. Some of you don't see the title of this episode, so you have no idea what this person is talking about. But yes, it, it, it's very true. The comment sections are always so, so much enjoyable and appreciated, and you'll understand why in just a minute. But sometimes when uh, I do a part one, I almost regret it 15 minutes later. Like I, I'll do a part one, and I'm like, why did I do that? Because now I'm forced to do a part two. Why? 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 Because there's sometimes you just question, is it really worth it? Well, like, what what do I hope to accomplish? Let me explain what happened. If you were to look on our YouTube page right now, our YouTube channel, you will notice that there are a lot of comments lately showing up on a a lot of different um, episodes. And I want to engage every single one of these comments. I really do. I want to provide a meaningful thoughtful response that is respectful but engages takes their 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 perspective seriously and try to engage as much as possible now on one way on for one reason I want to do that is because it's the right thing to do if someone takes the time to listen and to comment, you owe them your time and your respect to engage with them with what they're talking about. So on one hand, I want to do it because it's the right thing. Obviously, I could, I could there's a second reason I would I could possibly want to do it. And I could be selfish because the more I engage with their comment, the, the, the more I engage with the comments, the more we go back and forth, even if it just turns into a full-blown fight, it ultimately benefits me because that's engagement with the channel. That means the algorithm for YouTube picks it up and will promote the channel and share it with other people. So in some ways I can jump in there, and just start posting comment. No, you're wrong. And it it almost benefits me to be almost, it it almost benefits me to be combative because if I'm combative, then they will get combative back. And then what could turn into two comments turns into 60. And then the next thing, you know, your channel's getting more and more views, but I, 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 I don't want to do that. I don't want to do that. So I want to engage. I don't want to just be combative. But the engaging engagement of any kind is positive ultimately for the for the channel but i i'm just gonna be honest with you um sitting there just typing out it just it, th- that's not my, that's not my wheelhouse. I'm not, I'm not as strong and trying to go back and f- back and forth on th- there, typing it out. It's just, it's not as much fun. I would rather engage the comment here behind the microphone. And I, and, and so some pe- someone started posting a lot of comments. And so I did a part one where I engaged some of their comments. I thought I think I was very respectful and kind. I think they they posted a comment thanking me, and I think they I think they I I think they were very positive. They were very positive, and um, I appreciate that. So I I do want to engage, but there comes a point where you have to ask yourself, okay, am I going? What what am I trying to accomplish here? Right? What am I trying? I want to engage them. So this is how I always try to look at it. When someone is commenting. Are they commenting simply because, and I even try to do this sometimes in our Discord channel as well, uh, when sometimes someone wants to engage, are are they engaging because they have a question and they're earnestly seeking your thoughts and opinions, or are they engaging because they simply want to tell you that you're wrong? Okay, well, if they simply want to tell me that I'm wrong... And then I simply try to go back telling me no that no 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 I think you're wrong. Rarely does that go anywhere. It just goes like you're just a hamster running in a, a sur- running on a wheel that's going nowhere. And I and I'm not a fan of that. See, my I've changed a lot. When I was younger I'd be like, "Oh yeah, let's go back and forth. Let's go. Let's go." Because I uh, had this utterly foolish idea that somehow I could show them I could convince them that I'm right. Or, I, I hate to say this, I know this, I know you're going to be shocked by this, I know, but I sometimes viewed it as almost like a debate, like a competition. And if I could win the debate, then I was right and they were wrong, right? And so, and, and well, guess what? You can win a debate, who cares? You win the debate. Everyone watching sees the, the argument happening on Twitter or Facebook or wherever. They they see it in the YouTube comments or wh- wherever, wherever the debate is happening. And everyone's going, wow, you won. You get everyone's approval. You get everyone's thumbs up. You won the debate. So what? What did I gain? I maybe gained everyone's approval that I won the debate. Everybody like, ooh, you told him, man, he couldn't come. And it just turns into like a competition. Well, guess what? That There's no value in that. There's, there's no, who wins in that? Who wins? You won the debate. Yeah, congratulations. So what? I've watched that happen on, on in uh, Christian podcasting, right? Where someone will say something about a podcast, and that podcast responds to that podcast, and then that podcast responds to that podcast, and then everybody's listening to both of they as they go back and forth, and it's like, ooh, ooh, ooh. It's like two kids on the playground, you know, throwing insults at each other, and everybody's like, ooh, burn, ooh, oh call the fire department. That person's on fire, you know, what? and it's like, just stop. It just— I, I, there's, there's no value in it. So you, you always have to determine, okay, is this person wanting to know, or are they just trying to put, put forth their, their perspective? And if they put forth their perspective, they already think they're right. They're not really looking to hear my perspective because they already think they're right. So what's, what's the point, right? So I've always have to go, what do I do? What do, and I try to make the best decisions. I try to make the best decisions. I don't say I always do so, but I always try to respond, As, as gracious as I can, but sometimes, especially with podcasting, it can be weird because like you're doing a podcast about a, but because you didn't address, like you're trying, your focus is on point a, but because you didn't address point B, C, D, E, F, G, H, I, J, K, L, M, N, O, P, Q, R, S, T, U, V, W, X, Y, and Z. they are like, well, you didn't mention this and you didn't mention that. Well, I'm because I'm focused on this. Okay. I'm focused on this. So, you know, it's it's so weird, like how it, it's always supposed to work. I appreciate the comments. I appreciate the engagement, but I always have to go, should or shouldn't I? What should I do? That is the question. And how should I approach it, right? Do I approach it by simply, I'm just going to ask questions. I'm not going to even defend my position. Or do I try to defend my position? Like there, you, there's all of these things you have to do. So I thought, you know, you know what, the best way to do this is to do a, to just respond, uh, you know, right here in front of the microphone. I think part one went really good, but then I realized I labeled it part one. So now, do I do a part two? Obviously, I do. I'm right here. <laughs> I'm right here. Do I do a part three? Do I do a part four? So what I have to do is this. How can I engage this and not not really make it about the person or their comments, but to make it in a sense about how to take this discussion and then use it to benefit a larger and wider audience. Where it doesn't just turn into, ooh, what is he gonna say to that? Ooh, what is he got no no no. But like I can say, look guys, here's this This person's bringing up this theological perspective, and here's what I think. It's not about the person anymore. It's about taking the idea and elevating the idea so that people can hear the perspective of the person who leaves the comment or sends the email. And in my perspective, they get to hear two perspectives, and then hopefully they walk away better informed, better equipped, so they're no longer tossed to and fro with every wind of doctrine. See, that's that's my... You know my perfect way that I would like it to work, right? Maybe I'm naive. Maybe I have a, a more I, I romanticize it in such a way where I, I vision that it's going to be this perfect thing, and everybody's going to go, "Oh, look, that was." But it, it it doesn't. It sometimes just disintegrates into something negative, right? In fact, this uh, the the person who I'm getting ready to read some of their comments to, I think they did not like my review. <laughs> On that sermon on John. But what's weird is they seem to be more bothered by my comments than the sermon that was a total train wreck. I mean, the sermon basically promoted the papacy. It promoted Peter as the Pope, that he built the church and the church was built upon him, and he has the keys of the kingdom. Like, and and like he has this the power of the triune God. Like there was, but it seemed like the issue was because I Had like There were specific comments I made within that became more of the focus than on the totality of the sermon that I was reviewing. And it's like, it's kind of odd. Now, I haven't read the entire comment there. I was just reading the beginning of it because I I was in a hurry. And I'm like, oh, no, because sometimes you can just read within the first sentence and go, oh, boy, they're not happy with me. They're, they're, they disagree with me on this. They disagree with me on that. But there comes a point like I've got to decide what, what how do I work this. So I'm going to look for the comments and that I think can transcend the original discussion and become beneficial. So in this particular case, here's what I'm thinking. We have now spent well over 70 hours discussing the proper distinction between law and gospel over 70 hours of teaching over 70 hours of discussing it now on one hand i could say look what else can i say i've yeah, I've, I've i've spent 70 hours before this is over it's probably and i'm not even exaggerating it's probably going to be well over 2 to 3 probably between 2 and 300 hours of content probably well probably not 300 but it's probably going to be over 200 i think that's fair Right? So if we go over 200 hours of discussing it, what more can I say in regards to it? Like At some point, I'm just repeating what's already been said. And I think that that's a fair concern. But in the middle of the series, as people are engaging, I do want to try my best to jump in. Mainly because it can show, because most likely what he's thinking, other people are thinking the same thing. So here's what happened. For in our series on understanding law and gospel, I reviewed a sermon by, by Lester Roloff, right? Uh, a very famous independent fundamental Baptist pastor from the past. He's passed away. And uh, he did a very famous, famous sermon called Dr. Law and Dr. Grace. Dr. Law and Dr. Grace. There's, there was so much good in the sermon. I've mentioned that, but there were some seriously ser- big problems because he basically describes salvation as, in a sense, Jesus dying for us, but he's dying for us so that he can take out our sinful heart. Well, we now have a good heart Well, we will obey God and follow God. That Jesus came to make us better, in a sense, practically, and not so much the focus was on the, the imputed righteousness, but on this supposed he came to make us all better. And again, you would have to ask questions. Well, if he took out the sinful heart that seems to be taking out the sinful nature. So then I should be perfect. But then it's like, no, you can't be perfect. Well, but it, it, yeah. And so we criticized it and had some issues with it. I'm not going to repeat all of the criticisms. And this person had, I'm not going to say a massive disagreement, but there seemed to be a little back and forth. So let me just go through and read. Let me go through and read. I just got a message. Someone says uh, why I'm anti-Valentine's. Okay, all right. I, I, I don't have time to get into that right now. All right, here we go. Um, this is what this person says. You remain with a sinful uh, nature, but surely you cannot say that the Bible promises no power for an inward change. Although we do not measure our trust in performance or any fruit born, we still know the power of the gospel will produce a measure of inward change. Now, once again... This is what drives me. This is where I just have such frustration. Everyone wants to argue for that. You've got to believe we have power. you got to believe that there's going to be some measure of inward change. Okay, here's what I do know about it. Clearly, very few would even dare say that that power, only a few may say that the power is good enough to get us to perfection. Almost everyone else is going to say, well, I mean, we have power, but it's not going to get us to perfection. We have power. It's not going to get us to stop sinning. We have power and it will produce some kind of inward change. All right, well, great. So now our disagreement is you want to make sure that I believe that there's some kind of power. And my argument is, look, why are we going to argue over supposed limited power? Oh, there's going to be inward change. I mean, you're still going to be committing fifty thousand sins, but there's going to be inward change. Look, why? I, it's such a subjective. There's no, there's no way to qualify it. There's no way to quantify it. It's just like, well, there'll be some change, okay? And well, like, what well, you believe that? Like, here's the thing: if you want to believe that, go by all means. Go live out that change. Tell everyone you've got a power. Just be honest with this. The power is not good enough to get you to perfection. The power is not good enough to get you to stop sinning. And you're still going to sin all the time, either in thought, word, deed, internally or externally. So you're going to be in a perpetual state of sin in some way, shape, or form. So if you want to believe there's a power, well, believe there's a power. Just go go live it out, and I'll live my life out. Obviously, I don't I don't understand if there's power. I don't know what the power supposedly is there to do. Because it's not there to get me to perfection. It's not there to get me to holiness. It's not there to get me to stop sinning because I'm still going to sin. So now what do we argue? What what is there to disagree about? There's power. Okay, whatever. All I know is Christians sin all the time. So whatever power there is, but the power will change. And I've seen change. Look, every religion claims that their religion changes people. Every religion claims that there's some transformative power in their doctrine and their teaching. Counselors think that there's transformative power in their counseling techniques. People, Alcoholics Anonymous or Narcotics Anonymous, there's some transformative, everyone thinks there's transformative power in their self-help book and and this and that and this and that and this and that and this and that. I just know that whatever transformative power is supposedly at work in me, I'm still a sinner. That's the only point. That's the only point I'm trying to ultimately make. Uh, they go on to say, "It seems to me that you're saying he claimed to love perfectly, but if you claim he literally has no love at all, then don't you deny the power of grace under the fear of calling it legalism?" Now he's saying that I that in the sermon that I was trying to make some assertion that he's basically claimed we can love perfectly. But my thing is, if you got power to love, why isn't that power enough to get you to love perfectly? If it's an imperfect love, what is that? Hey, you've got the power to have an imperfect love. Are you telling me that lost people don't have the power to an imperfect love? Hey, it's not a perfect love, but it's love. Imperfectly. But there's power See, see, my thing is, you're, you're concerned that I am somehow denying the power of grace under the fear of calling it legalism. No, no, that, that's, that, that I, I, I don't, I've never talked about the fear of legalism. My fear is that we're claiming something that's just not accurately re- reflects reality. You, we've got, the, we've got now the power to love. I mean, it's not perfect love. It's not complete love. But we got a power. So I've got the power to have an imperfect love. Like, how do you quantify that? How do you qualify that? Right? And some of these, I'm just going through these quickly, just trying to to remind you where we've been, because it's been a few days. It says, uh, we don't demand or need fruit to a certain level, but it does happen, or we deny the power of God. Fruit isn't necessary, but to say it can happen is not law. Well, no, no. I agree to say it can happen is not law. To say it must happen or someone is not saved, that's where I would say is law. And any demand for it is law because it's a demand. And then it says righteousness is both imputed and infused, or Christ does not live within us. And I understand what they're saying. Christ lives within me, so there's a righteousness in me. But you're, that we got to make it make sure we're very careful. Infused righteousness is a Catholic teaching that the reformers completely reject. We are justified by an imputed righteousness, not an infused righteousness. Any supposed, inf- now Christ lives in me, so and he's righteous, but if you're saying there's an infused righteousness to impact my practical behavior, now you're talking about some ability or some power that supposedly we have. And if you want to believe the power is there, more power to you, pun intended. I just know lots of people, I, 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 here's what I've known. I've known Christians my whole life claiming power. And I've yet to see any of them be more godly than those who supposedly don't have the power. That's all. That's all I know. And then next it says. Uh, so I told them I was going to respond. They said it should be interesting. Just to be clear, I think it would stand. I think I would stand with you, and that a Christian, a Christian, is not somehow necessarily bound to produce fruit. Scripture illustrates that for us in the the depiction of a man who is saved through fire and has all of his works burned up. And there are indeed people who are a strange blend of free grace and lordship salvation, and it can be confusing how people harmonize these things. I think there is a great lack of clarity about the word works and what constitutes works salvationist. I have my own harmonization, and I will paste it uh, in for your consideration, if that's okay. Well, first of all, I thank I thank them that they asked if it was okay because sometimes people will hijack a channel in order to just promote their views and they're not really worried about engaging. I had someone on my on on YouTube who was doing that a long time ago. They were just like, boom, 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 but they weren't even engaging me. They wanted to. Either, I think I can't remember if they were uh, a Seventh Day Adventist. I can't remember, but they just were like. Uh, clearly they just wanted to hijack the channel just to use it to promote their. And I'm like, go create your own YouTube channel. Just go somewhere else. Go like, you know, why are you using my YouTube channel to promote your view? When clearly, you know, I don't agree with your view. It's just so weird how people will do. We had that in discord, basically someone just almost taking over the channel. And it's like, like they weren't even there to engage the podcast. They were, it was like, what is happening now? What is going on? So, um, this, so this person is being very, very respectful and saying, hey, if it's okay, and I'm like, sure, post your solution to all of this. And so here is their solution. Now, a couple of things. One, remember, this is their solution. I may offer some like, there's going to be some things here that I'm going to be like, well, wait a minute. And I know, but it's not directed necessarily at this person. It's directed more at how this plays itself out in other scenarios. Because again, I'm taking this and trying to remove it from this agreement or disagreement on YouTube and make this beneficial for all of us because it starts off this way. One tricky little argument Calvinists use that Arminians are work salvationists. Now, I gotta stop right here. I know that he's just trying to post his solution, but let's just I just want to make things a couple a couple of things clear. And my discussion on law and gospel over 70 hours, and my discussion about Lester Roloff and Dr. Law and Dr. Gray's famous sermon, I I didn't really go into some major argument with Calvinists and Arminians. I mean, Lester Roloff at best would have been a semi Pelagian Arminian. Right? Clearly I'm Augustinian and 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 much more Calvinistic than I would be Pelagius or or Arminius. So um I, I I really I wasn't going there. I didn't really, I didn't disagree with Lester Roloff because I'm supposedly a Calvinist. I do I don't believe I I don't believe I ever and I'm not saying this person is making this accusation, I don't believe I ever accused Lester Roloff of being a works salvationist. And I don't think I've ever accused Arminians of being a work salvationist, only that logically, I think that there is a place where it almost feels like a work salvation. And I could I could explain that. But I try to be very careful by saying, well, their gospel is false and they believe in a work salvation. I try to avoid that kind of language. But, and, and I don't, and just remember when I'm dealing with these issues, between what power we have or don't have. I'm not looking at it from a Calvinistic perspective. I'm looking at it like the power doesn't exist because I don't see it. (laughs) That's how I'm looking. Like I'm saying, look at everybody's Christian life. Nobody can be perfect. No one can stop sinning. No one can be holy. There's a limit to whatever power you claim. So now we're just trying to argue over, well, it's 20% power. It's 40% power. It's 60 And that to me is ridiculous. Forget reformed, non-reformed. It's just the reality. Here's what I know. We all sin. Thought, word, deed, internal, external. And because I know that, so I I don't even try to, now I will, I will argue, I am arguing against a Pelagian view that basically denies total depravity. And I would, and I would disagree with a semi-Pelagian who obviously believes depravity doesn't affect the will, which makes no sense because if the will is not impacted by depravity, then you could just will to be holy, even without salvation, right? Which would be a major problem. So, I mean, I do have issues there, but my, whenever this discussion happens, I think people get so confused by my perspective. My perspective is, all I hear is, you've got power, you've got power, you've got power, you can do it, you can now say no to sin, you can now say yes to God, you can do it, and then it always, you just wait, 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 wait for it, and I've shown this a thousand times. Uh, and and sermons where we'll be reading something that will be given this. You've got power. And then I'll, I'll scroll down the page and sometimes I'll take the book that I'm using and actually show someone in the sanctuary. I did this uh, the other night at victory Baptist church. I'm like, what is that word? And it'll be, but, but, and as soon as I see that, I'm like, but obviously negates everything that comes before. And this is how it works. You have power. You can say no to God, or you can say no to sin. Yes to God. You can do this, but, well, you won't do it perfectly. Yes, you're still going to sin. Yes, you, and it's like, well, that just negates everything you said about the power. So to me, it's not even about an Arminian Calvinistic thing. This is just about, you want to claim power? I want to claim, We. St- this is what I want to claim. We still have a sin nature. We will continue to sin. We do not have the power to be perfect. We do not have the power to be holy we will continue to fall short of God's standard and thought, word, and deed by what we do, by what we leave undone internally and externally. So whatever power you want to argue, you've got to just be more honest with the limits of said power and be more honest with how much we fall short. That's all I ever try to say. All right? So whatever Calvinists and Arminians are having a fight over work salvationist, then by all means... That, that's a fight that I understand has been going on. Now, he says, if you study James 2 and believe this is, in fact, the inspired Bible, we see James specifically say faith alone does not save. In fact, it makes a big point of it. You know what? I completely agree that it does. And guess what? This has led to nothing but division for 2,000 years of church history. Because everyone has their own interpretation and in how to how to proceed with this. Some say that means you can lose your salvation. Some means some that well no no no. Works are required for salvation. And some believe, well, no, this is the test to prove if you were ever saved. And everyone's got their perspective. So clearly, first of all, we're dealing with a text that look, if it was simple, there would be agreement. There's literally no agreement on how to handle James. We know Luther had major issues with it. All kinds of... Look, if we're honest, everyone has issues with it. If we're honest... Now, let's see what he says here. Does this ruin the whole faith works dichotomy that the Reformation set up for us? Only if we misunderstand the term works and start equivocating with it. If we make the word works to be something that never can be a part in saving you, Calvinistic double predestination necessarily logically follows. Now, stop right here. First of all, not all Calvinists believe in double predestination. That's not accurate. Two, I'm a Calvinist. I don't hold the double predestination. And three, I don't know. I don't think that uh, misunderstanding the term works has anything to do with Calvinistic double predestination. I, I don't. The issue is God pre- predetermines, predestines those who are saved. Does it require him to predestinate those who are lost? Or do we understand it that everyone already is born condemned, already going to hell? God doesn't have to do anything active for them to go to hell. Everyone's already going to hell because they are guilty in Adam and have a sinful nature. God doesn't need to predestine someone to go to hell. They're already going to hell because they're born a sinner. He has to predestinate, elect those whom he will save because everyone else, he doesn't have to do any positive action towards them. Now, other can say, well, wait a minute, if he's predetermining uh, some to salvation, well, then by default, he's predetermining the others to damnation or reprobation or however you want to describe it. Well, fine, but what does that have to do with works? The issue is when God predetermines, the Bible talks about predestination, when it talks about election, clearly talks about election, how does this work towards the saved and those who won't be saved? But he, he connects it that if we misunderstand the term work and, and start messing with it, then we're, then we're, we're going to end up, it's going to, Calvinistic double predestination necessarily logically follows. Follows. In fact, by giving them that one point, there is no way to avoid their conclusions but that point does not need to be granted them. There is, in fact, a different kind of works, and we can prove it. Okay, so now, again, this person is coming at it very, very assured of themselves, very much that they can do it. And they. And when they refer to they, obviously, they're not Calvinistic. They may not perceive that I'm Calvinistic. But just remember, we hold to the London Baptist Confession of Faith, 1689. So, obviously, we're Calvinistic. But that's... I, To me, I don't have any desire to even get into that debate. So let me try to reframe this one more time. My debate is Christians sin continually, and that is a fact. Whatever power one wants to assign them, it cannot get them to perfection. It does not stop them sinning. So there's a limit to said power. That that's that's the end. The end. I, that's, that's, I wash my hands of everything else. So uh, my thing is you want to believe in power? Great. Believe in it. Go use it. Go use it. There you go. That, that's, 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 that's how I would do. And if I don't believe that power is there, then you'll you'll guess what? You're gonna be able to show me that you've got more power than me. You're gonna be able to show that you're more holy, you're more godly you're going to be able to prove it because you got a power I don't have. So just go use your power and then just live it out. Now, you have to admit you still can't get to perfection. You have to admit you still can't get to sinlessness. You still can't get to holiness. So, because holiness is utterly, completely separate from sin. That that would mean perfection. Now, unless you believe in the complete eradication of the old nature like a Wesleyan holiness concept, some kind of double blessing, this kind of second work of grace that will get you there. Then fine, but I mean, just go, just go live it out. This has always been my approach to this disagreement. Okay, great, you've got the power, go use it, go show me, go show me, just show me. Some some churches believe that the the Lord's Supper is a means of grace, and through it, they're strengthened or they're given power. They're given this. Okay, well, you believe that your sacrament—that you have a sacrament that does that. I believe it's an ordinance that remembers something. All right, well, then, since you have power and you partake of the Lord's Supper every week, you should have more power than I have. Just go live out a better Christian life. But I've been in a church that was sacramental, and guess what? They didn't live any more godly than those that were in churches that weren't sacramental. <laughs> that's just the fact. So uh, the, my approach is really different to this, but that's okay. James says, a faith without works cannot save explicitly and forthrightly. It, it absolutely does. Now, again, anybody who's ever looked into this just knows that we have a lot of things to try to figure. When when James says a works cannot save, save you from what? Save you from, well, immediately we interpret that to means cannot save me from eternal damnation. Or does this mean save, that it won't save me from chastisement? It won't save me from and the negative consequences from living in sin. It won't save me. Like we just immediately apply that to save me from hell. But there's lots of ways of looking at it. And there's all kinds of articles and books. There's nothing I can say about this that hasn't been said before. I mean, there's. I mean, look, any perspective I put forth, there's really a way. I mean, I've already covered James. I've got entire sermons working through James uh, and dealing with all of these issues and trying to offer a counterpoint to this. But okay. It says, What, what is the profit, my brethren? If faith, if faith anyone may speak of, having and works he may not have, is that faith able to save him? Yes, and I know that. Again, save him from what? Damnation? Save him from the negative consequences of it? Save him from humiliation? Like, there's again, we can go into a lot of... of Of temporal, temporal, we could talk about temporal judgment, temporal chastisement. Lots of things about that. The implied answer here is clearly no. In case we try to squeak around that somehow he repeats the point with more force. You see then that a man is justified by works and not by faith only. Yes. Now, the question here is justified by what? Justified before God or justified before man? I get the, all of these issues have been discussed, right? Right? You're right. We're not justified by uh, faith only. We're justified, but justified by whom? In front of men, in front of others, or before God? Right? I I think that's a good question. Now, now my Roman Catholic education would say, hey, James 2.24, that proves you have to have works in order to be saved. My Catholic, you know, working... uh, attended a Catholic university to work on a degree in Catholic theology because I didn't want to speak on Catholicism from a position of ignorance, but one of knowledge, I know I know exactly how this works. They go on to say, this is a very clear statement. How are we to harmonize this with Paul's declaration, by the works of the law shall no flesh be justified? Not as many lordship salva- salvationists do by somehow twisting this into works just, uh, just necessarily follow without contributing. It, it without contributing it is not as hard as you might think simply by asserting not all works are works of the law there is in fact a logical existence of something that could be defined as a non-meritorious work there is an action that produces a result without earning it much like reaching out to receive a gift now again I, I don't I don't know exactly like I think this this person is trying to harmonize something that I don't think I was even trying to articulate. I'm trying to articulate we claim we have power when clearly we don't. That's that's my argument, right? And if you want to claim you do, then do it. but you have to admit that the power is limited. That's my perspective. They want to get into okay, we can have a work. And this word, and then we got that. And now again, he says, I, I, I do have to, I, I, will, I will be a little combative here. We, I don't like whenever we take something that has divided the church for 2,000 years and say, hey, it's simple. Well, then you need to probably get a book out as soon as possible to fix everyone's disagreements. Because obviously for 2,000 years, people have been arguing and fighting. and uh, Works, no works, salvation, grace, no, this, that, no, 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 election, no election, no, Arminianism, no, no, Calvinism, no, 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 Augustinian, no, Pelagius, no, I mean, come on. I mean, when we say it's simple... If it was simple, you would think at some point there would be like, well, 99% of the people agree with this. And there would be 1% or 2%, maybe even 90%. But of course, their, their way of saying this, now, let's make sure we understand this. The lordship salvation, he says, by somehow twisting this into works just necessarily flow without contributing. No, lordship says, you don't have the works, you're not saved. They may argue that they this should naturally flow from it. This should naturally flow from it, right? But if it was if it, I, I don't know if, if as lordship salvationists, I don't know if they would always say it naturally flows from it. They're just they would just argue you don't have it, you're not saved, whether you contribute or don't contribute. Most lordship salvation most lordship Salva, salvationist that I've ever encountered, or when I was one. Uh, believe that sanctification was synergistic, not monergistic. So we contributed to it. We contributed to that sanctification. We were involved in that process. And if we were not involved in that process and desired it and fought for it and, and contributed to it, then that would demonstrate that we were not saved. But he says that the way that we can fix this, as he says, it's not as hard as you might think. Simply by asserting not all works are works of the law. So now he's going to say that not not all that work, there are works that's not works of the law. Now, I will argue any work called for, anytime we're told to do anything, that is law. He's going to say, well, there's a work that's not law. And the way he's going to assert this is that there is a fact, a logical existence of something that could not be defined, that could be defined as a non-meritorious work. That is an action that produces a result without earning it, much like reaching out to receive a gift. So he's going to say reaching out to receive a gift. Okay. All right. Good. All right. Someone's just asked me. They don't understand what that means. See, that's why they're here. I'm glad they're here. Right. They're always here to help me out. Okay. So thank you so very much. Right. All right. Good. Because we need to slow down and try to figure this out. All right, I'm already ready to move on, but I can understand it is a little bit confusing. What they seem to be saying is that there is a work we can do that does not earn anything. We don't earn salvation. It's not meritorious in any way, shape, or form. In fact, it's not meritorious. It's simply an action that produces a result. So there's a work that simply produces a result, but it's not meritorious, in fact, in salvation. Like, Reaching out to receive a gift. Now, this is, this is where, now, this is much more, obviously, this person's coming from an Arminian perspective. And now, this is why he's probably mentioning Calvinism. So, let me say, I got this piece of paper right here. Let's say this is salvation. The free gift of salvation. Right? Now, Arminians typically will say, typically, that it, you could, that that gift of salvation is there for anyone And you just have to reach out and receive it, and you're saved. Some Calvinists will say, no, 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 that reaching out, you're doing something. Because within the gospel, there's implicit commands. Repent and believe. And if you're doing the repenting and you're doing the believing, then you've done a meritorious work. Therefore, you believe in a work salvation. That's why he says this is a trick that some Calvinists will play. Right. That say, hey, that's a work The Armenians are like, no, 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 no. Repenting and believing, reaching out for that free gift is not a work. It's not a work. I mean, we do it, but it's not a work. It's not a meritorious work, right? It's an action that produces a result. So I'm just taking an action. I reach out by faith. I believe, I repent, but it's not meritorious. So this is really getting into that debate. From a Calvinist perspective, the reason I'm reaching out in faith is because God gives me that faith. It's not something I do. God grants me the faith. I don't repent. God grants me the repentance. It's something God does. God gives me the faith. God doesn't. Someone just says it's more like it was shoved in your pocket without you doing anything. Well, that that's kind well, they're like, you're doing something, but it's not a work that earned your salvation. It's a work that resulted in your salvation. I guess is the right way to kind of put that, probably not a fair and accurate way, because I know what you're saying. Well, that kind of saying the same thing. I I agree. But this really gets into a never-ending debate between Calvinists and Arminians, and that was never my intention. And the reviewing the Sermon on Law. And Dr. Law and Dr. Grace. In fact, I never even really brought this up. In fact, 70 hours of teaching on understanding law and gospel, I don't think I've brought this up at any point. This is not, I don't want to get into this never ending di- dispute. You're never going to stop the debate between Calvinists and Arminians. They've been debating forever from the from the, Remonstrants, the Synod of Door. I mean, we can go all, all day and all the fighting and arguing here. I am going to look, the person who asked that question. Do you understand? Have I made it clear? If not, I will explain it again. I'm going to go look here. Okay. Someone says, the, uh, the person says, I think I understand what he's saying now. So I'll just try to r- r- summarize it one more time. And I really do appreciate this question because, wow, well, I owe, I owe, uh, yeah, I owe this person a lot for always helping me out. Okay. But um, there we go. Okay, I'm getting all kinds of emails right now, and oh, I think people are all mad at me. Okay, all right. I don't know what I've done. I've ticked off the entire world. Okay, yeah, Okay, right. I, I, yeah, I always tick off everybody, okay? Don't ever look at your email inbox when you're live on the air. Okay, that's that's just a, a tip. All right, so according to him, here's the, so James talks about a works, and without works, you're, you're not, you know, you're basically not justified. And He's like, okay. We have to acknowledge that there's works. Now, how do we make this work? Here's how it works. There is a work that we do that is not meritorious, right? But it's a work that results. It's, a, it's an action that produces a result without earning it. So it's an action that produces a result, but we didn't earn it. So our our action is faith. Our action is believing. There's an action, there's a work, but we don't earn we don't earn a salvation from it. It just produces salvation. All right? So, this, so, how do we know the works James tells us here are not works of the law? Consider the works of faith that James actually uses as an illustration. Now, he's going to draw a distinction between works of the law versus works of faith. All right? Now, he, he goes through these. Abraham attempting to kill his son. Now, he's saying that that's a work of faith. Rahab lying to save the spies. Clearly, both of these works violate not just the law of God, but the pinnacle and sum of the law of God, the Ten Commandments. Thou shalt not kill. Thou shalt not bear false witness. Now, I would argue that, well, one, Abraham attempting to kill his son is the, prob- the problem with this. Th- this one is much more difficult with Rahab lying to the spies, I think the thing is, is this is what happens. Let's try to look at it from a couple of perspectives. He's saying that these are works that do not violate the law, that these, these are works that violate not just the law of God, but the pinnacle of the law of God. So they violate the law of God. I will argue that this is the thing that we do works all the time that violate the law of God. Continually, they violate. But in Christ, we are forgiven and we are still shown to be holy and righteous in our position. All right? That in other words, Rahab may have lied and whether that's right, that, that we can argue that it was wrong to lie. We Let's just say we'll say it was wrong. In Christ, she can still be called righteousness. In Christ, she sh- can still be called godly because of her faith. The faith doesn't make the action right. The faith covers up the action, and you can still be declared righteous. Now, however, I do agree, and, and this person is bringing up a very important point, that these actions seem to be viewed as an action of faith. So th- they may be onto a very important distinction here that we would have to work through. I've just looked at it like they did these things, and these actions are not really condemned. They're almost viewed as good because of, well, an imputed righteousness, because they believed and it was accounted unto them to righteousness. Let's see how he works this through. So when James says, I will show my faith by my works, but in the same place says breaking one law breaks the entire law completely and constitutes you a lawbreaker, we know he is talking of a kind of work that are not works of the law, because James just admitted his works must necessarily break the law. Abraham believed and attempted something that violated the law, but was commended Rahab believed and attempted something that violated the law, but was commended. I think they were commended because of their faith. Now, in Abraham's case, he was specifically told to kill his son, but obviously it was never going to happen, so he never actually did. He didn't, act, he didn't harm the child in any way, shape, or form, and from the way the text is written, he wasn't even forcing. The, the child was not forced. The child just seemed to be willing to do so, and God was involved in the entire situation and stopped it from ever happening. Now you could say because he was willing to do it, that then proved that he was wrong. You 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 could argue. I will say the whole situation is much more complicated than this. I'm going to look at the comments really quick. All right, no comments. All right. So I so what he wants to do is like no there's so let, let's read this again. Let's read this again because this is very interesting and I and I do appreciate the person taking the time to do this because it leads to lots of of discussions here. So when James says, I will show my faith by my works, but in the same place says breaking one law breaks the entire law completely and constitutes you a lawbreaker, we know he is talking of a kind of works that are not works of the law because James just admitted, of, admitted his works must necessarily break the law. Abraham believed and attempted something that violated the law, but was commended. Rahab believed and attempted something that violated the law, but was commended. When, what, where some panic here is to begin thinking, I'm concerned that I would be adding my own merit to faith by adding an action. But this is just religious dogma that has been fo- foisted constantly upon our thinking. It does not actually stem from the Bible or logic itself. Now, again, you don't think it stems from the Bible. You don't think it stems from... That's always the thing. It doesn't come from Scripture. 50 billion other people will say it does. Okay, so that's always... We always have to at least acknowledge that. Now, I know I do the same thing, and I will say something. This doesn't come from the Bible. I understand this. Let's just acknowledge that this subject, though, is massive disagreement on it. Massive disagreement on it. All right? So he goes on to say, um, it's... It's versions of the much used argument, what makes you different than someone who rejects salvation, or if, you ch- or if your choice determines you got saved, then you get, co- you get all the credit. I, I, I understand. So they want us to just realize that there's two kinds of works, works of law and works of faith. Works of faith can actually violate the works of the law and be commended. So if you're doing a work of faith, you can literally break the law and it, it's okay because because it's a work of faith, so a work of faith is not bound by the works of the law. That seems to be where this go this would be going, which would raise some serious questions, all right? Some serious questions, but okay, I can see why you would you would you would struggle with this, all right? uh, hang on, here we go. Do you see that faith was working together with his works and by works faith was made perfect James 2:22 For as the body without the spirit is dead so faith without works is dead also Rahab the harlot also justified by works James 2:25 So if you want to claim the Bible nowhere associates the idea or word of works with salvation or being made righteous, which cannot logically be separated from justification, we really will have to throw out the book of James as Martin Luther once suggested, all right? Now it says the Calvinist is facing a false dichotomy here. Now it's gonna come back. So this person really wants to argue Calvinism and Arminianism more than my original point. My original point is, you're saying you got power. I don't see the power (laughs) because we keep sinning. And somehow this is disintegrated into Calvinism and Arminianism. And I'm not going to take that bait because I don't play that. I don't, I don't, I don't go there because it's It's just, I, I would have a better chance of arguing with a wall. I really would. I would have a better chance of arguing with, I, anything, because I mean, I've been in, I, look, I, I, look, I got kicked out of my first Bible Institute for even thinking about studying Calvinism and the Arminians, go, you're gone, right? I know how this works. Okay. I've been here, done this. So here's what I would say. Here's what I would say. This is my perspective. And obviously I think this person would strongly disagree with me and that's okay. I believe the law tells us what we are to do. I believe that there are times in the Bible where people who are godly didn't do what God told them to do and did the opposite. And yet those people are commended. Everyone in Hebrews 11 is commended. Everyone in Hebrews 11 did something wrong. Now you can say, well, they did something wrong, but they were doing works of faith. So it was okay. Well, I I hope we wouldn't say that, right? Because they did things wrong. I think what we would say is in spite of their wrong, they're still commended because by faith a person is declared to be perfectly righteous because of the imputed righteousness and the imputed imputed obedience of Christ. But this does raise some serious questions about the way James is written. He's quoting some good verses that does require us to rethink this, and I'm very much grateful, and I will try to engage in greater discussion about this. Because if I, because it, and this person can offer clarification. So a work of faith can violate the law of God. So, like, if I'm doing a work of faith, for example, if Abraham killed his son, but it was a work of faith, would he be wrong or would he have been right? Rahab straight up lied. Because she lied. It doesn't matter that she bore false witness or she lied, like because it was a work of faith. So, so if I can do a work of faith, if I can have faith in what I'm doing, then it doesn't matter what God's law is. So, if I want to have physical relations with someone who I'm not married to, but I, but it, I do it by faith, then it count. Like I need to understand exactly how this works, right? Because if you're gonna say, well, here's a work of faith. Because it seems like this is where the direction they seem to kind of be going. I'm I'm going to make sure I read this again. All right. Um, So when James says, I will show my faith by my works, but in the same place says breaking one law breaks the entire law completely and constitutes you a lawbreaker. We know he is talking of a kind of work that are not works of the law because James just admitted his works must necessarily break the law. Abraham believed and attempted something that violated the law, but was commended. Rahab believed and attempted something that violated the law, but was commended. So therefore you can break the law and be commended as long as it's by faith or just having faith in general allows me to break the law. Yeah, someone just said, works of faith seem very subjective. Yeah, it does. Well, the, well, put it this way. It feels subjective to me that, hey, work of faith does not is not bound by the works of law. So in other words, a work of faith can literally go against the work of the law, and it's good to go. How far do you take that? Yeah, who determines what work is or isn't by faith? especially if it breaks the law. That's that, that's a good question someone is asking in chat. I'm going to, I'm going to, hang on. I'm going to, I'm going to do a search here because I'm very interested now. This, this person has definitely got me thinking, all right? And hopefully everyone understands. I do want to say this because I'm almost going to have to stop here, but I want to make sure everyone understands this. Look, When when anyone argues with me or disagrees with me, I hope you understand no matter how much I disagree, no matter how much I push back, the one thing you can be absolutely certain of is that I'm going to take your perspective as seriously as I can, and then I'm going to work as hard as I can. I'm going to work as hard as I can to consider it and to rethink my position. I've got, I've got all of my Christian life to clearly demonstrate how I've changed my position. I'm willing to change my position like that. I am not bound to a position. I am not. I am bound to the pursuit of truth. So I hope if this person, even though I may be pushing back, I'm going to be really considering this and thinking how this would work. So I'm going to look at this. Can, I'm going I'm to ask Google. Hang on, hang on. I'm, I'm typing here. All right, let's see here. Um, okay, um, well, this is not helping me here. Okay, here we go. Here's from. Okay, this. They're. This is from. Uh, I don't know who wrote this book, but this goes into a whole. Oh, we may have to look at that. Okay. That's going to go into a whole different discussion. I don't want to go there now. I can't go into that now. All right. Um, I don't know if there's a major discussion here. Okay. I don't know if anybody really wants to answer this question specifically. Um, Okay. Let's see. Works. I'm going to put, I'm going to go here works of faith, and I'm going to, I'm going to type this differently, and works of law. Okay, here we go. Um, Good works versus works of the law. The Bible mentions the word works many times. There's a lot of confusion about this when it comes to salvation. What do works mean? What kind of works are acceptable to God? Are they necessary for salvation? This article will attempt to answer these questions from the Bible. May the Lord open our ears. The Bible mentions the word works many times, and there's a lot of confusion when it comes to what it means when it comes to salvation. Sometimes the expression works of law is used. used. Other times good works is used. What does this mean? What are good works? What difference does it make for us today? It is important to know the kind of works the Lord accepts or rejects. The post has given given you, dear reader and seeker of truth, a better idea of what is meant by the expression. May the spirit of the Lord open our ears. Good works, our own good works, I apologize and clear my voice there. I usually mute the mic when I do that. Many Christians know the famous verse used in Ephesians two about uh, that for by grace you're saved not of uh that's not of yourselves as the gift of God, right not of works lest any man should boast all right um true good works are good works through us, okay that's okay. um let's see here so. Works of the law, we saw in the previous section that we can have bad good works and real good works. Bad good works are works that are done by our own strength and do not originate by God's spirit in us. True good works are good works originating in the faith that God deals us. These true good works are works of the spirit of God done through us when guided by the Holy Spirit. So th- so this so this seems to be breaking down maybe what this person is saying. You can have a bad good work or you could have a good, good work. The way you know your good, good work is because it's a good work done because of faith through God's Spirit working in you. So if God's Spirit working in you leads you to kill your son, then that can be okay. Or if God's good work leads you to lie, that can be okay, even though it violates God's law. That seems to be the indication here. So you're right. It becomes very very, very subjective. We uh, So it says... These true good works are works of the Spirit of God done through us in this section I want to talk about the works of the law what does the expression mean works of the law all right um, so so the works of the law are guess are works of the law that have something to do with salvation with, with like earning salvation with like earning salvation so as long so any so any, so any work, Yeah, I, someone's making a joke uh, that this sounds like someone they know. That It, it, it is a little confusing, but let, let me, so let's try to follow this. So if I do a work and it's a work of faith, in other words, it's a work guided by, led by the spirit and the spirit does so. I'm doing it by faith. It's a good, good work. If I do a work on just my own, it can be a bad, good work. But if I do a work, of the law to obey the law in order to earn salvation, then that is a work that will not save. But good works by faith are a part of salvation because if I'm saved, the spirit that won't produce these good works, even if these good works go against the law because, because, well, they can go against the law. Did did that clear it up? Is that clear as, is that super clear? Right. I, I guess, I guess maybe. Okay. All right, let's see. Let's see how they finish this. All right. Okay. Uh, now it says now. Okay, this is, goes a lot. I don't know if we're going to have time to finish this up. All right. So here we go. The Calvinist is facing a false dichotomy here. Either something is a material materi- meritorious work, or it is of no work at all. Once you accept that you are inevitably let down the trail to removing all volitional activity and God alone decides who is saved because otherwise we contribute works. This is also why the same logic that if you can reject the atonement, that means you are necessarily attempting to merit the atonement fails for defending eternal security or free will decision is not necessarily attempting to merit something. Again, none of this has literally anything to do with my point. I just want to make it very clear. This has nothing to do with my point. This is their way to work out some issue with Calvinists and Arminians, and I wasn't presenting that problem. I was presenting the problem that you say, when you're saved, you can now do it. And I'm like, well, you can't do it perfectly. You can't do it completely. And you're going to continue to sin. Maybe he's arguing, well, you could be sinning, but maybe it's not a sin, right? It's not a sin if it's a faith of works, because you could possibly kill your son or lie and it not and not be actually a sin. It, it, I, maybe you could take it and argue that way. So we don't sin. We just do faith of, we just do uh, works of faith that look really sinful, I mean, could, couldn't you go, couldn't you take this and run it that logical direction? If they could do works that were opposed to the law of God, then if I'm doing a work that's opposed to a law of God, why would my works be wrong? They said, well, you would, it would have to be really motivated by the Holy Spirit. Like, well, how would I know if it's motivated by the Holy Spirit? Who, would, who, who can make that determination? So he wants to get into an issue with Calvinists. I go I, I, okay. Um, it says so if you simply free yourself from that logical error, you can show. Uh, you can you can uh, hang on. Let me re- do something really quick here. Let me do something here. I'm going to look something up. I got a lot of articles popped up here. I'm trying to follow this. All right. So, basically it says, so if you simply free yourself from that logical error, you can show basically how illogic it is of insisting that actions which produce results are necessarily meritorious in nature, and then logically have a salvation that is contingent upon our actions without necessitating any merit. Both before and after regeneration, but I, I, I wasn't making any of these points. or may, maybe I I, I mean I, I, my point is, if you say you're saved and now you can do it, that what that was the point. And I do believe to I, 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 now obviously I agree, I do I will argue. That if I look to my works to prove my salvation, I now he's saying we now he would agree that we're not looking to our works to prove our salvation. He just wants to make it very clear that works are a part of our salvation. They're just not meritorious to it. Okay, so you want works? Works are there. They just don't earn salvation. Okay, fine. Works are there. They don't earn salvation. All right, I I I, I think that we're on the same page there. All right, uh, so. Um, He goes, uh, if you say faith has no work, no action accompanying it, then you will automatically feel like all works are bad and there is no such thing as a non-meritorious work leading you right into the trap of unconditional salvation for all free will decisions will be called works attempting to merit salvation, even the the mere bare acceptance of faith in Christ. But I, I, I... I'm not... Okay, so... I believe my salvation is secure because it's based off the finished work of Christ not because I'm worried that some work will be meritorious I'm not I'm not looking at it from that perspective All right so yeah this all turns into a, a Calvinist Arminian argument this turns into a Calvinist Arminian argument this turns into a Calvinist Arminian argument so at that point I, I, we can I, I'm not ready I'm not ready to chase that rabbit right now and to go down there. Here's what I want to chase. I want to chase this idea, right? So one, he, they're not really addressing the power issue. He just wants to say that works are there, they're there, and they're not meritorious. They're not there. okay, great, because he wants to get into a whole idea that you can be a whole Calvinist. Arminian argument. Here's, I'm just going to try to summarize my perspective again. When someone is saved, if we claim they have power, 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 we have to say that that power is limited. Does not get us to perfection, does not get us to holiness. So whatever power you're claiming, is clearly a limited power. If you want to claim the power, by all means, have the power, go live out the Christian life and do better than those of us who don't have the power. There you go. I mean, that, that, I've, really, that's kind of where I am on the subject. That's where I am. I do believe that if we look to our works to save us, it will condemn us because our works will never be good enough to save us. Because uh, God's law demands perfection and we will never be perfect. Now, if you want to come along, now, I'm not saying that this is what the person was doing, but try to argue, no, 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 no. So we can look to these works of faith, right? And as long as they're, as long as these works are works of faith, then they could prove our salvation, I guess, because they're works of faith. But even these works of faith could actually violate God's law. So we could still see that we could look to these works. of I'm not looking to any work of all that I do. I'm looking to the finished work of Jesus Christ for my salvation, And if you want to draw this distinction between works of the law and works of faith, and you want to argue that works of faith are works that are produced by the Holy Spirit, and they can violate the law of God, then you've got a work that comes from the Holy Spirit that violates the very law that God gave. But I do agree. James does present a very difficult issue at this stage. And we'll have to address this maybe next time. I don't know if I'm going to do a part three, but I may. I may. I may go through some of this and try to look at the... I I don't the Calvinist Arminian argument just uh it just bores me all day because it just goes on and 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 the and on and on and on and on and to and on 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 and uh, whatever uh, all the craziness that happened through all of those those years of dealing with all of that craziness but fine yeah, I like i I'm not like that really wasn't the 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 flow of the argument now it sounds like he possibly can believe that you can lose your salvation it sounds like he believes you can i think he seems to think you can lose your salvation which of course we would disagree but I don't believe again salvation is based on some looking at it from a meritorious, I'm looking at it from the meritorious work of Jesus Christ. But I think we're in agreement. I think we're in agreement in some of that, but it just seems like he's having an argument that I'm not necessarily involved in said argument, or he's trying to demonstrate something that I wasn't really arguing for or against. So then I either have to jump in the midst of it, but I do want to explore more of this. There are works of faith that are produced by the Holy spirit that violate the law of God. That is fascinating to me, but all right, we'll have to look into that later. All right. I'm going to stop there for now. I'm going to look and see if anybody has anything to say here, because I'm going to take a break. Okay. (laughs) All right. Someone just says, I'm walking to the mailbox in faith, scowling at my neighbor led by the spirit. Yeah. I don't, yeah. I don't know. I don't know how that's supposed to work. I, that, that is, I, I don't know if. I mean, it's a, it, it is, it is interesting that they're trying. I, I don't know if maybe I've dealt with this before and I missed it. I don't know, but I am going to, I am going to work on it a little bit more. But for now you can contact me. newsif I F at yahoo.com news. at yahoo.com. That's news. I F at yahoo.com. Whew. Wow. Now i got to take a break. Wow, that's an hour and 11 minutes. I'm exhausted just trying to work through that. You talk about hurt your brain, trying to follow all of that, trying to follow all that, because I'm trying to follow what applies to what I'm talking about versus do I get into all of this argument about Calvinism and Arminianism? Because then we'd have to go back and go, no, Calvinists are saying this. No, Arminians are saying this. Yeah, I, 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 yeah, I don't know if I want to go down that path right now. Maybe at some point we will. But news if at yahoo.com. Hopefully this was helpful to someone. Everyone have a great day. God bless.